need to be resilient when it comes to medical challenges and cancer, right? We need to be resilient when it comes to climate change and species extinction. But instead of focusing on a hot, crowded, denuded world, we can focus on the resilient potential within nature and within us. I'm Rabbi Deborah Waxman, and I'm so happy to welcome you to Hashi Venu, a podcast about Jewish teachings on resilience. My guest today is Rabbi Fred Sherlander Dobb. Fred is the rabbi of Adat Shalom, a vibrant Reconstructionist congregation in Bethesda, Maryland, and he's also the chair of Kojol, the Coalition on the Environment and Jewish Life. Fred, thanks so much for being here today. Delighted and honored. I'm so excited to talk to you. We're talking as the holiday of Tu Bishvat approaches. That's the 15th of the month of Shvat. And it is known as the holiday of the trees, the, the new year of the trees, when, at least in the land of Israel, the trees start to fruit a little bit. They, they show the first signs of life after a winter. For those of us in the, in the Northeast, in the Northern Hemisphere, it is often still deep winter, but even on the, on the Jewish calendar, it's uh, a harbinger that warmer times and uh, blooming is, is coming. And uh, so our conversation today, we're going to talk a, a bit about um, what it is that uh, ecological insights and approaches both to the world and um, from within and to uh, Jewish teaching, Jewish living might offer us today. And I, I'm especially excited about this conversation because when I think about resilience, when I started thinking about resilience as a way of diving into Jewish, Jewish teaching, Jewish living, Jewish being, a lot of the reading I did on resilience was from the field of psychology. And one of the things that I've become aware of, in part through our conversations, is that there's an equally rich vein of writings on resilience from an ecological or an environmental perspective. And they are very, very complementary, but there are different emphases and different uh, foci. And so I'm really interested in the conversation um, that that marries these um, or the, and that mines deeply from the ecological discussion. Great. So Tubishvat is actually a great place to start because uh, it's listed in the Mishnah as one of four annual Rosh Hashanahs. Um, so we have our big one that we know from the fall, and then there's one for kings and and uh, you know other things in the sort of political and economic realm. And uh, to Bishvat is the New Year of the Trees was originally based on a tax law. It was a tithing question um, of how old is a tree. Uh, for the first three years that you let it grow, the fourth year is a donation, all the fruit, and then the fifth year you keep ninety percent and uh, and donate ten percent. Although actually the donation is higher than ten going forward. Hmm. So economics and trees are linked from the very get-go 2,000 years ago in our tradition. But of course, tree is also a metaphor for spiritual or call it psychological, um, that which is deepest, uh, chokhmah, wisdom, that then becomes Torah. Of course, it's chayim hi, uh, a, a tree of life is wisdom, a tree of life is Torah. So we have had for the entire duration of the Jewish experiment, uh, this thorough intermixing of the ecological and natural 
with the economic, the political, the systems. Um, and in turn, those two affect the personal, whether that's spiritual or psychological. So I sort of think of it as a triad. There's the, there's the personal experience, there's the uh, systems angle, and then there's the ultimate system, um, which is, of course, the earth. Uh, ecology is study of the house, study of the whole. And so any other ology, accepting cosmology, is in some ways a subset of ecology. And when environmental thinking isn't right there at the center of those conversations, then um, we're being too atomistic and we're actually missing something very important because especially in the 21st century with 7 billion people and a denuded and warming planet, we can't talk about individual spiritual satisfaction or communal sustainability when it comes to our congregations in Chavarot or any other communities without also addressing the study of the house. It's, it's very, very important. I, I, I do really feel like this is the moment where an environmental sensibility, which is sometimes dismissed, or in, in, at least within my lifetime has been, people have chosen to dismiss it as radical or fringe, that it is increasingly, it, it must be the starting point from which we act. It was from that world from, from certainly from from Jewish teachings and from other religious teachings, and then in modern times from this environmental sens sensibility that teaches us that we are all interconnected, that we are all interdependent, and it's been this really important set of teachings, sets of platforms for advocacy, and we can't not be bowled over by the uh, the importance and by the the power of, of this understanding. Absolutely. Um, I, I think you're addressing the question of interconnection and, you know, the watchword of our faith from Deuteronomy chapter 6, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Echad is in some ways the most important of those words, one. The, the thing let's that let's we translate are that for everybody. So that's the, that's the, that is, if, if there is a creedal statement in Judaism, that's the Shema. Hero Israel, I don't, a lot of different ways to translate it. Yep, right. Fast translation. <laughs> Hero Israel, Adonai is our God. Adonai is Echad. Adonai is one. Go for it. Right. And so Echad is actually, I would argue, the most important of the words there, um, because that's the point of the sentence, is to describe uh, to us with the action of listening the nature of God, um, which is to say the nature of existence. And oneness is a huge component of that. Right. So unity is ascribed to God and therefore ascribed to us who are created in God's image. Um, as an early Zionist poet, Shoal Chernikovsky, reminded us um, maybe the divine image is not only limited to people, but we can see it to a certain extent in all of nature. And just read the Psalms, including the ones that we sing on Friday night or Saturday morning out of the liturgy. And nature is an actor, nature is alive, nature is generative, um, and nature is resilient. That's not insignificant. Um, so with all of that, there's a reflection of the world made by its maker um, as us being one, humanity as one, creation as one. And that is an essential insight. Um, we need it more than ever in a fractured era on intergroup relations when we realize that uh, we have more in common than we have differing across religious and other historic uh, differences 
among people. We need to extend that as well to species. Um, on a hot and crowded planet, um, we can't afford for it to be humanity only um, because that of course is a path we go down at our great and clear peril. There's one other piece that I wanna focus on before I forget, which is, is not just interconnection, um, but it's a positive spin. Resilience is a beautiful word. It has positive connotations. Much else in the environmental world, things I've already said like hot and crowded um, are very negative. Um, it brings up, uh, it raises our hackles mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. gets our defenses up. Um, when we know that what we really need is sustainability to be mm -hmm. in it for the long haul, um, that should be positive. And resilience is a reminder that just as natural systems are resilient, including trees, um, particularly deciduous ones that drop their leaves and uh, we call it fall. And in winter, things look dead, quote unquote. And um, yet we know the sap is starting to rise somewhere around this month of Shvat. Um, and soon enough, we'll see the buds. And that kind of resilience, we get knocked down, we get up again, mm -hmm. ain't nothing going to keep us down. Um, trees are in some ways the template for that. So it's important to remember that with everything about resilience, we can focus on the negative, that which we need to be resilient from or around. Um, and that's too obvious. We need to be resilient when it comes to um, medical challenges and mm -hmm. cancer, right? We need to be resilient when it comes to depression and life challenges. We need to be resilient when it comes to climate change and species extinction. Um, but instead of focusing on a hot, crowded, denuded world, we can focus on the resilient potential within nature and within us. It's so wonderful. I think one of the things that I'm trying to do in this podcast series is talk both about attitude, at, you know, an attitudinal perspective, and the other is about a behavioral perspective. You know, so what, what is the, that's one of the things that I found so rich about using the term resilience is it pushes me, it doesn't it just push me, it invites me to look at Jewish practices, Jewish teachings in a, in a way that's very affirmative and, and, um, and very oriented toward the positive uh, in, in, in a way that I just found very, very energizing. And then secondly, beyond the attitude that frequently, because Jewish life is about a life lived, so it's, there's, there are practices or there are behaviors that I can take on that, um, that bring that, that attitude into concrete, uh, interactive, or, or behavioral uh, uh, ways of being. You were telling me before we started recording about a wonderful experience in your in your family and your community's life that was. I think it sits at an intersection of everything that we've been talking about, both attitudinal and behavioral, psychological, ecological, and also communal. And I wonder if you would share that story. Uh, I'd be honored. So uh, part two is going to be about Shemitah or the sabbatical year, but we get there in a funny way. Um, my daughter, Sarah, just celebrated becoming bat mitzvah in front of 500 folks at Edad Shalom. Thank you. Literally this past Shabbat. Um, and she and every other Edad Shalomer knows that uh, I laid down a challenge in 2013 in advance of the last sabbatical year by the traditional count, um, that at the end of this cycle, I wanted Shemitah to be an English word. 
Um, and I talk about Shemitah or the sabbatical year and its complex uh, interrelationship of ecological, social justice, communal resilience and personal spirituality. Um, they're all rolled into one in the form of Shemitah. And the, co- um, and the core of that is that in the, in the seventh year, we take a rest. It's, uh, it's We take a rest. We, we uh, force even our low-wage workers, our servants, to take a rest. We force the land to mm-hmm. take a rest, mm-hmm. or we stop overusing mm-hmm. and abusing it. Um, and that means that we need to rely on that which grows naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the systems, you know, economy begins with agriculture. Uh, We used to be 95% agrarian, and now in modern America, it's more like 3%. Um, But that level of specialization isn't always a good thing um, because we're still ultimately dependent. So if we go back to biblical pre-industrial times and an agrarian orientation is also the the economic and the political reality, um, one year in seven, uh, many times in everyone's lifetime, the systems grind to a halt. And we need to be small enough and connected enough and resilient enough, connected to each other, connected to nature, um, in order to be ready for that. And if we're ready for that, we're ready for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that society as a whole, particularly with the things that got us to climate change and got us to the kind of loss of species that we're seeing today, um, have made us ever less resilient. Mm-hmm. So that were there, God forbid, Uh, major war or pandemic or massive solar flare or any of the other things, artificial intelligence, I mean, you name the the things that are on the horizon that we might need to be resilient from. um, And by and large, we're not. We're in this era of specialization and very few of us cross-train. Very few of us would be able to do our own subsistence agriculture. Um, Us meaning... uh, presumably members of most Reconstructionist mm-hmm. congregations, with some very happy exceptions. Um, but similarly, who among us could be a cobbler to make shoes? Who among us would, knows pulleys well enough to figure out how to move heavy objects um, in a post-oil era? Um, and those, that era is coming, and it may be coming sooner and more catastrophically than we would hope. And the more we plan for it, the more we think environmentally, the more we think in systems terms, the less catastrophic it will be to transition to a post-oil era, mm. uh, which is why all of this is both headed under Tubishvat, but also headed under resilience. So I interrupted you because you were going to talk about Sarah's bat mitzvah, uh, and, and oh, yes. Shemitah is uh, uh, as, as a feature of that. So uh, Right. So uh, thank you for reminding me. Uh, Shemitah is the punchline now to a joke. Good. And so after Sarah wrapped up a beautiful Devar Torah, um, she said, uh, lastly, for the sake of the many rabbis here, um, I want to say one more super Jewy thing, <laughs> Shemitah. And she just said it like that, and the, uh, the house came down. I mean, the, the crowd roared, except for my family and friends from away, who <laughs> from Nanadat Shalom, were like, why is that funny? Um, but it is that much of a punchline. And yeah. then she went on to say, no, really, tradition. Um, <laughs> an hour later... Right. Um, Beautifully delivered. An hour later, uh, we had the Oneg, and then we reassembled, and our homegrown klezmer band was playing, and this beautiful Freilich celebration around 2.30 in the afternoon on a very cold winter day, and a pipe burst, and the fire alarm went off, and we had to move outside. So the rabbi's Um, kid, everybody there, plus, uh, in the midst of the celebration... 
and this wonderful intergenerational klezmer band of 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 um, you know mostly adult shalomers of multiple generations uh, in the same family in a couple of cases. Um, they just literally took their trombone and their clarinet and uh, what they had, even bongo, and just went outside mm. and led the group. And in the cold, waiting for the fire engine to come and for the crew to give us the all clear, um, we kept going with klezmer music mm. and dancing in the parking lot mm. in freezing temperatures. And I remember thinking, because you and I have been in this conversation, oh, I have to tell Deborah about this. Yes. This is resilience. This is resilience. This is resilience with, with, with a soundtrack even, you know, like <laughs> you know, resilience where, where you dance. And I think that that's, you know, it's, it's interesting because when I talk, I'm, I'm making a leap here, but when I talk sometimes about why I am Jewish, you know, you were talking earlier about the resilience of nature, and you and I, I'm sure, both hear people frequently say, "I'm spiritual, but not religious." And they'll say, "Oh, I'm spiritual, and I go and I go out in nature, and I'm filled up by that." And I too am very deeply moved by the the natural world and the beauty that's contained there, and the resilience. The the fact that I, I often uh, the, the quote a line from Bloom County and Opus the Penguin saying, mm-hmm. you know, morning life's reboot button. Uh, you know, our, our our liturgy, our morning liturgy, has words for it. Every day creation is renewed. That's a interpretive translation, and what an amazing um, thing that 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 renewal happens. Uh, each and every day. And I am religious. I'm part of the Jewish community because it gives me vocabulary to talk about it. I can I can make that quote because it, it pushes me on the day that I'm not inclined to go outside to remember those times when I go outside and because it gives me a community of people. And I'll often talk about how it gives, you know, it gives me a community of people to celebrate with when I'm happy, when there are simchas, like your daughter's bat mitzvah, and it gives me a community of people to mourn with when I'm sad, whether it's in the face of a personal loss or whether it's in the face of a collective trauma. Many of many of our congregations gathered people together after the recent election or after 9-11 or, you know, after Rabin's assassination to come together in community. Your story, there it is all at once. There's the celebrating uh, and there's also the, not the mourning, but there's the the, the, the little mini catastrophe, which, which certainly could have felt <laughs> like a mini catastrophe right then and there. And then to have it be because you're all together, because you have this orientation and you have this capacity that you can um, you can you can sing and dance while also taking the appropriate steps to safeguard the situation and 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 presumably repair and move on from it. Exactly. Love what you said and want to underline about the uh, community and tradition, like opening the prayer book and there in the liturgy is resilience. Um, because in communities like ours, Adat Shalom, the hundred other reconstructions, affiliates, um, community and tradition are spoken of in the same breath. And each of them in turn has both an individual and a collective piece. Our communities are places where we find meaning and and connection and redemption. Um, but they're also places where we do Tukun Olam to make the world a better mm-hmm. place. And our tradition as a set of resources for each of us in our times of challenge and crisis. Um, And it also has prescriptions for what the world ought to look like. And that's why I keep coming back to Shemitah like a broken record, because four different places in the Torah, uh, we have a, a prescription for something that is neither capitalistic 
nor socialist. There is something powerful and in between that says, let there be free enterprise, let people play and have incentives to get ahead and inequality will grow in a six year cycle. But on the seventh year, we press a reset button and we're all in it together and we remind ourselves of that. Mm. And then there's an even harder reset button uh, to press every 50th year in the Yovel after this Jubilee, after seven sabbatical cycles where um, even land goes back. It's the equivalent of a complete redistribution of wealth. So we have this wonderful hybrid system that says we need to be small scale, we need to be sustainable. Things in 50 years need to have the same potential that they do now, um, which means we can't keep warming the world. We can't keep driving other species out of it. Um, we owe it to our descendants to give them in another jubilee cycle um, the same opportunity and beauty that we have access to. But we can still have fun and we can still make profit and we can still play games and we can still get ahead um, between now and then. Shemitah is a place to set the needle. It's, it's an, uh, an asymptote, right? The, the uh, vertical axis on a graph, something that we never quite approach, um, but the curve gets ever closer to. Um, we're never going to follow a biblical sabbatical year. It, the, the, the letter of the law was probably not ever done. It was probably not a great idea then, and it would be an even worse idea now. But the status quo is a pretty bad idea as well. Um, and some of the alternatives that we've seen, like communism, are also pretty bad ideas. Mm -hmm. um, but our tradition has these resources, and those resources are connected to values, and those values are connected to individuals. And where all of those come together, just like the tree that drops its leaves, but the sap rises, um, that's resilience. Mm. It's so interesting. I just said to someone today, that Judaism is an intergenerational project. Judaism is an inter is a relational project, and you know I, I so appreciate your framing of that intergenerationality. Both looking backwards, that we can draw on these ancient insights and these ancient practices, and that that from then to this day, they are orienting us to the next generation and what are our obligations and what are our responsibilities. And ideally, what are our opportunities so that the next generation can, A, live, and B, ideally flourish? So it's beautiful. Amen. Yeah, amen. Oh, thank you so much, Fred. What a wonderful conversation. Um, I, I, it feels like there's so much more we could say, but this is at least a taste. Um, I, I really appreciate your being here today. I'd like to thank my guest, Rabbi Fred Sherlander Dobb, for our wonderful conversation on an ecological approach to resilience, on Tubishvat, on Shemitah. For more information, you can look at our website, hashivenu.fireside.fm. You can also find more resources on uh, jewishrecon.org and on ritualwell.org. I'm Rabbi Deborah Waxman, and you've been listening to Hashivenu, Jewish Teachings on Resilience. Hashivenu.